Ich bin wirklich zu Fox, aber ich bin ein Gast, ein Gepässiger, ein Tim, 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 gerade Tim, Stephen, du gehörst, ein Gepässiger, ein Gast, gerade Tim, 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 Wow, okay, so we got Tim Stafford, co-host, Danny Mike, my house, and, and, who else? Me. Who's you? Saviri. Saviri. Now, 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 let me tell you, dear listener, um, it's a big day in the Erie house because this is the last Monday day. of summer. Yes, it of is. Summer. So I don't know what Jack Hole decided that's that August is a school month. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> but somebody decided. <laughs> yeah. So somebody decided that we should put all the kids back when it's 187,000 degrees. Seriously. So um, so Seth Erie yeah. has a half a day of school on Friday. So let's talk about the summer. Let's talk about some of the highlights of the summer. Uh, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what did we do this summer that was really fun? Uh, uh, I, I, I had so much fun. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot of fun too. I, I, I love playing with Judah. Yeah, we played with Judah, Hannah's boyfriend. Yep. That's really your number one thing? <laughs> I, I, I like, I go to Florida. Yeah, we went to Florida. Okay, there's number two at least. You yep. under Judah. Yeah. And yeah, exactly. I, I used to home and play fob. I stay home and play floppy, so that's and something we can do any, Nate, any day. Games. Nate, yep, Nate came home a bunch this summer, so we got to see Nate a bunch. Who's he's our oldest away at college, was playing um, soccer over the summer in Columbus, um, so we got to see him. Goofy, goofy all. Yeah, and they play something called Goofy All rematch, which I have no idea, but it just is. It's a little soccer ball and a little soccer goal up in this kind of spare room that we have. So there you go. Sounds Anything fun. else? Um, Tim. How yeah. about hold on? Do we do some bowling? Yeah. Do we watch movies? Um, Joseph. Yeah, you made a new friend named Joseph, right? Who yeah. took you to the trampoline park? Yeah. And Chick Fil A. Yeah. And Zaxby's. <laughs> no, that's not, uh, not Zaxby's. Not Zaxby's. He's only taking you Chick Fil A. Um, uh, bowling. And bowling. Uh, yeah. And bowling. No, we have at bowling. Oh, you had lunch at bowling. That's right. I forgot. Yeah. Anything else, son? Um, hey, Tim. What? Hey, da, hey, da, hey, da, hey, the face on. Tim, please. It's up, it's up, it's up. Hit the theme song. <laughs> wow. Seth Theory just dropping the mic like nobody's business. Dang. He's learning from Big Bro. Now he just walks off. It's a it's a it's a Play walk my off theme song. Yeah, yeah, and I'm out. So, Tim, yes. when do, when do your kids start? Uh the tenth, I think. Okay. So <clears throat> I'm not like sh- I don't know. I think next Monday too. Are you ready? I'm ready. Yes, <laughs> for them to go to school. <laughs> Perfect. Well said. <laughs> well said. We look forward to summer. And we look forward to the end of summer. Yeah. All of those are Summer's just too long now and too hot. It's getting longer every year. It's getting hotter every year. How's it getting longer? It just stays hot until... Like, sometimes it's hot at Halloween, which is just... Oh, I see. Evil. So the hot stays longer. That's actual evil. 
That's right. Yeah, but Halloween's stays. coming. This is, listen, when the, the bright light of summer fades before winter's deathly chill. Ooh, I'm writing something. Yep. Um, <laughs> Tim Stafford loves Halloween That's right. and loves to scare and thrill. There it is. Boom! We went, to the dollar, we went to the dollar store yesterday, and they already had some Halloween decorations out. So they're like, all right. How'd you feel? Felt good, but I was hot, so I felt conflicted. Mm. I'll tell you what, Tim Tim Stafford is very sensitive to temperature. Yeah, I don't like and heat. yeah. Kind of like a kind of like a well, a reptile, right? I mean no, reptiles prefer hot. Oh yeah. What's the opposite? Yeah, what what's the opposite of a reptile? My wife. <laughs> My wife. She she does not prefer well. Yeah, she would prefer heat over cold. Oh no, I, I prefer cold. cold over heat. One hundred percent. Yeah, it's the opposite of a uh, opposite of a bear. Okay, it keeps getting into my trash. Nice. Bear well, comes through and just tears my trash apart. You know, I think one of the reasons why our podcast is popular is simply for the witty banter here at the beginning. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> personal anecdotes. So there's a bear in your trash. Yep. You know, people are listening to our lovely voices at time and a half. Maybe two times. I'm shocked it's that low. If (laughs) I I were... I don't know if it goes much higher. Yeah. No, we... um, Anyway, we're grateful. (laughs) Good morning or afternoon or good evening, whenever it is you're listening to it. Uh, The school transition, if you're not yet a parent or you have no interest in being a parent... Bless you. Yeah. Because the transition into and out of school season is, it's rough. It's rough. And so um, for those of you who are parents, you know this. And uh, we all sort of celebrate going back to school, but realize it's a couple of weeks of getting our kids up super early. That is uh, a little rough. This this week's the retransition to early mornings. Oh, yeah. Cause my my oldest is only ten, and he's already sleeping until like ten. Perfect. So yeah, yeah. Nate or Sethy's bus came in last year at like six fifty, six five zero. Right. What adult functions well at six five zero? Maybe a few. Maybe a few of the four a.m. people out there that do CrossFit and eat kale. Um, <laughs> but those are the only people that thrive. At six five zero in the morning, so kale fits. Yes, Seth Erie, not so much. No. <laughs> um, hey, I want to say thank you to a few people. I want to say thank you to Crystal and Lindsay and Brooke for coming on the Patreon team. I want to thank Trago and Leslie, who are dear friends from years and years and years back, who increased their amount of support. And and again, we're not. You know, doing this, uh, we're doing this as a nonprofit. We're doing this as a crowdfunded nonprofit. And we're just very, very profoundly grateful for people who see value in it and allow us to continue to put this out. Uh, so thanks. We're, we're grateful. If you want to find out more about either tithe.ly, which is a giving platform, or Patreon, another giving platform, you can go to on voxologypodcast.com. We... Uh, we've got some response about Jordan Peterson. Uh-oh. Yep. And uh, we asked for it. 
and we got it. Our <laughs> our community, yeah, our community says okay. Um, so this the first email <laughs> I'm going to read is uh, it's two parts, and and both parts are really profound. Um, but I'm just reading sections of them. There's there's a great personal sort of backstory to some of the wrestlings that um, are going on, but. Um, this, uh, this fellow is a pastor and, um, and has, he, he, he coins a term, um, called hypergenderism, uh, which I don't know if he coined it or, or, but it's a cool term. This obsessive focus on like being a godly man or godly woman or biblical femininity or biblical masculinity. So good. He, uh, he shares a bit of his backstory and then says, I've been asking the question, how has the hypergenderism of modern evangelicalism and strains of the church that lean heavily to the right fed into the challenges that more and more young people are having when they do not fit into the boxes of yeah. hypergenderism? That's so good. Uh, the church's unwillingness to explore the totality of the conversation around gender and its default to easy and rigid tropes of manhood and womanhood has destroyed countless young people's lives and consequently wrecked havoc in homes and parental relationships. Yeah. Boy, can we just all say amen yeah. to that? That's so good. The voices at the top of evangelicalism have often created straw men uh, of genderism that that diminishes at best and eliminates at worst our ability to see the magnificent expression of both male and female displaying the image and likeness of God. This person should be a writer. Why do particular expressions of a human being have to be labeled as male or female? How does hypergenderism actually limit my experience of my createdness rather than promote its flourishing? What a great question that is. Yeah. What does it mean to express my sexuality as a biological male in my relationship with my wife outside of physical sexual intimacy? Right. What does it mean to express my sexuality as a biological male in relationship with other biological males? How does Paul's exhortation in Romans 12 um, free my mind be renewed? I think, uh, thank you, En Vogue. Free your mind (laughs) and the The rest rest will will follow. follow. From the cultural captivity as it specifically relates to gender stereotypes. What, I mean, just what a wonderful set of questions. And as uh, is pointed out, I don't know of much work uh, that goes under the banner of Christian that that explicitly addresses, I'm sure it's out there, but I don't know of it. Uh, as much as I know of the work of biblical manhood and womanhood, you know, right. at Al. <clears throat> so um, I just thought that set of questions is really, really great yeah. and worth exploring. And then he moves on. He says, now about Jordan Peterson. I would challenge Mike to not completely dismiss Peterson as a voice that can contribute things of value. Peterson's journey of faith has been a fascinating one. I found that his honesty and openness to exploring scripture while retaining his intellectual rigor has been refreshing. 
I think at times he's playing the role of the dietitian who tells you you can eat Zaxby's and Little Debbie's all day and still lose weight. I'm in. <laughs> he is perpetuating a very desirable narrative for many men, in particular those who love Jesus and Joe Rogan. I've been yeah. reading his 12 Rules for Life with a friend, and I found many helpful points in it and acknowledge how loads of people bristle at his style. He doesn't do nuance. I wonder how much of his recent fame is emboldening him to release things like the latest tirade against the church. I also think that it's intriguing that he is telling the church what to do when he hasn't explicitly been engaged with the body of Christ for all that long. I think my skepticism around the rise of celebrities within the Christian industrial complex has me pulling the Peterson reins. Again, I do think he is a deep and profound thinker. I do think the Holy Spirit is working in his life. And he is trying to figure out how to live as a follower of Jesus. I don't know. Well, does, I mean, the question I would ask is that does Peterson's teaching on gender promote the same hypergenderism we were just questioning? And I don't, yeah. I don't it know. It seems like it. I don't know. I, mean, I just know that there's plenty of really good thinkers out there who come from a place of humility. And my experience with him is that he does not. And mm. so I don't know that I need, I don't know that I need to placate his words because wow. there's others out there. Well, Tim, I think um, that this is another person saying that we're not correct. I hear and, that. And that is, I receive well, it. Nope. You're going to receive it again, Tim, from this emailer. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> the recent episode with Jordan Peterson in the title caught my eye. And I was disappointed that you dismissed him out of hand. I would encourage you to listen to an episode of his biblical series. He is helping. It was almost kind of ironic because I think his reference to social justice probably meant political slash woke. And his care of souls actually meant what you guys referred to as social justice. I think it's a complete misunderstanding. And let's acknowledge, dear listener, that, that Tim in particular... Um, yes. Is cap- perfectly capable of completely misunderstanding things. Oh yeah, um, that's number one on my resume. Second only, yes. I am poor. I poorly <laughs> misunderstand most communication. That's that's well, that that's on my here. LinkedIn. That's my yeah. That's my LinkedIn page. Um, certainly, certainly, my wife would would validate that uh, that critique. Um, <laughs> And and I and I appreciate hearing I appreciate hearing this. Um, I've listened to some of what he said. I wasn't just reacting yeah. in a vacuum to that one comment. I've actually listened to several of his lectures, and there are always these things flashing on social media like Jordan Peterson destroys, right. you know, twelve people and whatever. So um, so I have a little context. Um, I don't know. When social justice is contrasted with care of souls, I get edgy um, because it sounds like the focus of the church should only be on the invisible soul and not on the rest of the human person. Yeah. And that that was just where I was like, I'm not sure about that. All right. Um, Well, and I'll say too, when it comes to social justice stuff, I am in... A really appreciating reading like i just finished that shouting on the fire book by yeah, Dante Stewart Dante. or so something like reading his experience 
um, as an African-American man in this country and within the church system and then reading, you know, Beth Ellison Barr or whatever, I've read so many white men, uh, white male theology books because yeah. that's all there really was for a long time that yeah. Yeah. I'm really appreciating hearing context through different lenses. So I don't feel, and I have also seen multiple Peterson videos and I don't know. My opinion you still sound not, skeptical. I'm still Timothy. skeptical. Well, this is from uh, a young woman who says, regarding the Jordan Peterson bit, I haven't listened to it, but it is clear what he meant about the Christian responsibility to tend to souls. Oh, excuse me. I, I said that incorrectly. She says, regarding the uh, Jordan Peterson bit, I've, I haven't listened to it, but is it clear? Is it clear? It's a question. Gotcha. Is it clear what he meant about Christian responsibility to tend to souls? Maybe it meant what is described in one of the other verses. Jordan didn't say it's the Christian responsibility to convert. It's the Christian responsibility to disciple and discipline, etc. When I use the word tend, the context for me is to take care of. In an agrarian context, it refers to the care and keeping of a field of shepherds who tend sheep. It is possible I misunderstood something along the way. I'm just throwing this out there. Thank you for throwing it out there, and thank you all for uh, for pushing back on this. I don't. I, I actually don't want to dismiss him out of hand. I actually want to understand um, what what he's saying that is filling a void right. that is missing in Christian teaching. Um, because on on, the, on a superficial and admittedly superficial listening, it sounds like it's just another version of the hypergenderism. Right. That we were critiquing. So so I'm open, man. I'm so open to being wrong. In this instance, I didn't have an issue with the word tend. Um, right. right? Of course. I think that's a beautiful metaphor and picture. I have the, the issue with the word soul. That's my problem with his statement. Is it sounds like what he means is, hey, just take care of the religious invisible part that has to do with accepting Jesus into your heart and going to heaven when you die and being a nice person in between. The last and, part's a maybe. There's an asterisk. Well, yeah, for some. Um, there's more than an asterisk. There's an asterisk? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I have a cough drop in. The menthol is making me crazy. Um <laughs> So, so I, I, I just am reacting, and, and I could be misunderstanding, of course, to the picture that I was, uh, that was often painted, that what you do with your body, your embodiedness, and your so, the social dynamics of your relationships don't matter. Jesus isn't interested in saving those parts. Jesus is interested in saving your invisible soul and rescuing it to heaven. Right. And as we've talked about, that's not the, the Bible's teaching. The Bible's teaching is Jesus is working to save your body. You will have a body in new creation. And the faith is embodied in social and through social dynamics and relationships, none of which can be separated from tending our souls. Right. So that's where social justice comes in. It's the same thing. All justice is social. Um, and justice is just the work of restoring and repairing shalom when it's broken between people. Yeah. So got it. And we, and we talked about that with the, 
homeless is not the term anymore is it it's displaced um yeah no that's i can't yeah. remember and i yeah. want to be i want to be um respectful but we talked about that last week with that and and just saving the souls on the streets versus trying to help yeah reinstate people's dignity to them and, and it's not it's not an either or yeah restoring dignity is part of what it means to share faith jesus right. does this all over the gospels yeah and talks about it quite a bit too you know he actually has some things to say about that so let's look at some of those all right so ladies and gentlemen thank you we love this and i always learn and am inspired by the questions and comments we get yeah um we i think this will be our last week unless you guys throw some doozy of a question at us uh the last week of talking about okay what does it mean to be light this little light of mine this little light of mine and we've been exploring um scriptural teaching that paints our uh responsibility to be light in more communal terms and in more lifestyle terms are there times in which to speak of course um but how we speak and what we say let's talk about that all right today so um i want to start like if we're gonna land a plane and the elevation of the landing is zero let's start at thirty thousand feet and work our way down to landing the plane all right so timothy i know this is an airplane metaphor well, you prefer more Halloween stuff. Um, let's pretend there is the headless horseman uh, who is riding a set of pumpkin horses uh, at thirty thousand feet. All right, gotcha. got he visual. has an he's sharpening his axe and um, he's preparing to land in um, Northern California to introduce the fall season. Um, and to chop down trees, evidently, because that's how you we prevent fires. Yes. That's right. Um, so let's start at 30,000 feet. Jesus. Jesus introduces a very interesting set of phrases and ideas when he invites over and over and over his disciples to take up their cross and follow him. And sometimes he'll talk about it just take up your cross. Sometimes they'll say, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Those are all ways of saying the same thing. And for Jesus, the cross, and, and again, re, re, just to remind ourselves what the cross was, the, the cross was um, an instrument of terror. It was a, ter a terrorist organization called the Roman Empire would use the, the cross as a symbol of subjugation, oppression, humiliation, social shame, and an incredible physical pain, torture. So, you know, we just, all we need to do is look around in our world for symbols of violent revolution and overthrow. And you have beheadings, firing squads, um, all sorts of things, uh, torture chambers um, that could sit in as a picture for the cross. But when, when you take up your cross, that was a way of saying you were marching to your death. You had been condemned by the state. You were now, uh, you were in essence a dead person already. Yeah. 
And, um, and so for Jesus, the cross, and we've talked about this before, but the cross wasn't a picture of what happens um, to secure your salvation. It is that, but the cross was also a picture of Christian identity or Christian practice. And so we, we have to move beyond the idea that when we see a cross, we're not talking about just the reality of the forgiveness of sins for individual salvation. And then we can kind of, Jesus died, so we don't have to. No, no, no. Jesus invites us to consider the cross as um, a way of understanding what it is to be Christian. What it means to follow him is to imitate his posture as embodied on the cross through all of life. And this posture, some theologians have called cruciformity. Cruciform just means in the shape of the cross. And so living in the shape of the cross is a cruciform way of life. And that still is very theoretical. That's very theological. That's not super helpful. Paul sort of uh, gives us the preeminent definition of cruciformity in Philippians uh, chapter 2. When he commends to the Philippians that they should have the same attitude as Christ Jesus, who, and then I'm reading a very interpreted translation here, who, who, Jesus Christ, who, having all privileges and prerogatives from eternity past, he existed in the form of God, he is God, but rather than considering his being God to be something to be used to exploit for his own advantage or used for his own gain. That's what the verb means Yeah, there when it says uh, he didn't, um, he, uh, he, oh, how's it go? Even though he did not consider quality with God something to be grasped. Right. That doesn't mean understanding. That means sought for or held on to. Um, so the idea was instead of using the divine prerogatives and identity for exploitation for his own gain and power, rather than doing any of that, Jesus made himself nothing or poured himself out. He expended himself. He spent himself because rather than exploiting, he took the form of a servant. Um, rather than seeking his own gain, he became a human and as a human, even further humbled himself and was fully obedient to God, even to the point of death on a cross. All right, so that's a very interpreted translation of Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And, and at the end of 11, it says, therefore God exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. And um, which means that God validates and vindicates that mode of life. Uh, by giving it the name uh, of Jesus. Um, so the mode of life, it represents Jesus's own identity and character. Does that make sense, Timothy? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because your eyes are looking at me, and I'm not sure if it was the early morning. It yes, early. it is early. So cruciformity, uh, and a guy named Michael Gorman, who... Um, is, is really uh, an incredible interpreter of Paul, summarizes cruciformity as this. Even though we have privileges and prerogatives, we do not capitalize on them for gain or exploit them to our own advantage, but rather 
we use them in self-expenditure to pour ourselves out for others. That's the heart of cruciformity. Right there. Let me read it again. Even though we have privileges and prerogatives and blessings, we do not capitalize on them for further gain or exploit them to our own advantage, but rather we pour ourselves out in self-expenditure for the sake of others. This is Gorman's yep. interpretation or definition. Yes, of cruciformity. And that's what it means to, to, to take up your cross, that you surrender, and we said this last week, we, you surrender power for the sake of love yeah. instead of surrendering love for the sake of power. And, um, and, and then, Paul, if you read the rest, like Philippians, the rest of two and three, this is this downward trajectory is something that Paul himself embraces. You know, the, in Philippians is where he's like, well, I was, a, you know, I was baptized on the eighth day and I'm from this tribe and I belong right. to the Pharisees and I consider all of that rubbish. I got all the credentials. I got the credentials. But rather than using them for my own advantage, I consider them rubbish. And instead, he postures himself as somebody who's taking the form of a servant too, yeah. a servant to these churches that, um, that he is ministering to. Um, and this mode of life, God confers upon this mode of life his own name. Right. And, and that, you know, I mean, in light of bearing the name right. and having a modes of life carry the name, this is kind of what that means. What that looks like, yeah. Yeah, makes sense so far. Yes, sir. Needless to say, Timothy, that... Um, that this was unbelievably countercultural in Paul's day. Um, when you study today, Roman, though. when you study in Roman, when you say Roman history, the questing for honor and prestige in an honor and shame sort of society, the only the only purpose of privilege was to capitalize upon them to gain more. The only purpose of any social honor was to use that honor to gain more. The only, the only thing money was useful for was to, to gain more social honor, right? Social yeah. honor was the entire name of the game. And in religious circles, Paul says, well, I was playing the same honor game, right? right. But I got all, when I, when I encountered Jesus, the thing that most redefined Paul's self-understanding was that, that instead of playing that honor game before God and others, he now emptied himself and poured himself out for the sake of others. And, um, and, and obviously in our day, <laughs> it's radically countercultural too, because we are, we are full of honor questing and platform building and attention seeking and significance finding. What? What? And so the idea that the privileges and powers and uh, prerogatives that we have are to not be used to make more, I mean, that just, that's foreign to everything that is American. Yeah, Totally. You know, and uh, everything that is Mike and everything that is Tim, except for Tim's hair. So cruciformity works in opposition entirely. It's antithetical to uh, American ideology, and it's antithetical to uh, ways in which American ideology have been embraced in evangelicalism. Right. Right. Evangelicalism, celebrity culture, platform building, all of that. It's just the same... Same dynamics. But now um, with social media. 
but and and with social media but it's the same dynamics just baptized in the name of jesus and effectiveness and success and um you know it, it, it the bio, it, you cannot read the ministry of jesus or the epistles and come to any sense of the same conclusion that that this is the way the christian life should be lived so the kingdom that Jesus invites us into is a cross-shaped kingdom. And the manner in which we live in that kingdom is a cross-shaped life. So, I mean, this has massive implications, right? It means that we're not people who believe in ourselves and pursue our dreams. <laughs> right? Um, it means that we're, that we're submitting. Now that, you know, and again, I'm going to disclaim this, and it sucks that I even have to. But that doesn't mean, of course, we can't have ambitions or plans or whatever. But very often, those are just expressions of the opposite of cruciformity, right? Making right. Mike or my name or, you know, whatever, bigger, better, and bolder. Um, it mean, Cruciformity means that in the kingdom, those who are exalted are those who are on crosses. Mm-hmm. Um. And coming down off your cross is a bad thing, um, and and it's such the reverse, right, of what of what we do. That the Jesus was exalted in his most humbled state, right, um, and 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 that we are to practice that same sort of recognition that the humblest among us are the greatest, um, and the attention seeking like um, myself are the least in the kingdom, right. Um, cruciformity means we seek no assertion of strength against others. Hmm. Like we forego coercion, we forego manipulation, we forego pressure, we forego, um, any guilt and shame tactics. No, those are fine. Okay. Um, we forego, um, (laughs) any sense of, uh, grabbing power over other people. Yeah. Um, and instead, we practice the politics of the cross, which is the politics of self-sacrificial love, the politics of reconciliation and forgiveness and lament and generosity and blessing and self-denial. We practice the, the politics of expending our rights for the sake of others. Um, we practice those politics, the politics of humility, the politics of washing feet, the politics of serving the marginalized. Um, it never looks like power grabbing, and it always looks like advocating for others and not asserting our rights. Right. Oof. And and I mean, ultimately, this is we never try to advance ourselves at the expense of other people ever. And so, makes your it, role as a as a pastor interesting because you like when you say washing feet, that was something that we all did practically growing up like we're going to wash each other's feet to understand yeah what you it's like well that's not exactly what he was doing but instead we did wash each other's feet yeah but finding ways in which that inhabits now like what does it mean to inhabit that position in that role in 2022 in america right what jesus was doing and saying in that moment yeah Yep. I don't think it was me washing Ryan's feet. Even though he just played soccer. God bless Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
and it's clean <laughs> and it's clean feet for get really manicured well manicured toenails well that's awesome um yeah i think that and, and that's where we're headed right is what okay. does that look like because jesus see this isn't something paul cooks up this is this is what jesus is teaching so way back on the sermon when we looked at the sermon on the mount jesus has this section um in chapter seven where he talks about standing over people in judgment hmm. you know and he forbids condemning judgments of others and even the good discernments when we do know something is you know in in, in bad judgment if you don't if you weren't a part of that series the condemning judgment is the condemnation and separation of people. Bad crino. Yes, crino is the word for judgment. Bad crino is when you're separating people into categories. Good crino is something we call discernment, and that's when you're separating things, ways of life, patterns, habits. You know, like there are certain ways of life and thinking that are congruent with new creation, and there are certain ways of thinking and living that are not. Yeah. But even then, Jesus um, refuses to allow us to push our good crino on others. Yeah. That whole thing about do not give you know pearls, your pearls to pigs and dogs, or they will kind of rebound and you know destroy you. That isn't about how worthless pigs and dogs are, because that's the condemning judgment that Jesus has already just condemned. Right. Um, instead, that's about um, how useless our pearls turn out to be for pigs and dogs dogs. yeah Yeah. and and so the image isn't of well this person isn't worth it so i'm going to take my treasures and you know go away right rather it's the refusal to push our good things on others when those others don't find them helpful right and this is where we think evangelism in its spoken form is totally justified right how will they know if no one tells them? Romans 10, right? Or aren't we supposed to speak the truth in love? Right. And, um, and so I just want to speak a little bit about particularly that verse in love passage. So let me get out, let me get out my Bible, Tim, in, in a prepared podcaster. La Biblia dice así. I don't know what that is, but... Um, a prepared podcaster would have his Bible already open. Yeah, he would. Um, but instead, here I am. I'm having some bad cream about you right now. Yes, you are. <laughs> and you're not alone in that, my friend. Um, but there's a passage in Ephesians 4, and you can hear hear the, hear the pages turning. Just the, That's how authentic this is. right? That's how real we are. An ASMR or whatever podcast. Oh, that's listen funny. To, listen to the pages being turned on the Bible right now. <laughs> listen, listen to the intake of breath as I read the sacred text. So, yes, let me read the text quietly. Yes. Um, in, in Ephesians 4, um, Paul says, uh, We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is in the head, who is the head, that is Christ. 
goodness, what an awful reading. He's also in the head. He is in the head. He's in my head, in my head. Jesus, Jesus. See, now that would be a that would be a Driscoll worship. Yes, make Jesus, make Jesus contemporary to the nineteen ninety six or whatever. Yes, rest in peace, Dolores, from the cranberries. Rest in peace. Um, but this idea of speaking the truth in love, I have used thi- this. I've used it and I've heard it a zillion right. times to sort of to present an idea that truth and love are on some continuum. Right. And, um, and sometimes you got to put love aside in order to speak truthfully. Hard truth. Yes. Um, and, and it's really interesting that, that, that we have to hold truth and love in some sort of balance is the idea, right? right. And, uh, and so, so people will very much say, well, great, hear you on all the condemning, blah, 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 blah. But how will they not hear unless someone tells them? And we are called to speak the truth uh, in love to our neighbor. Right. And, and so come on. And so usually what we mean by truth is, or speaking truth, it's delivering the hard realities to people. Right. You know, you are a sinner. There is yep. a hell. There is judgment yep. coming. And love just means sort of accepting them without yeah. delivering those hard realities. Or and I, that I care about you so much, I'm going to tell you how crappy you are. Yes. Yeah. And the analogy, of course, is listen, a doctor would tell you. Totally. Right? That you have cancer. That's love. That's actually loving. The problem here, and I have checked this, I called Gombus to make sure the Greek was right on this because my little uh, program was like, I'm like, whoa, there is no verb for speak here. Mm. There's not one thing that talks about speaking. Instead, and I and I I checked, I triple checked my work on this because I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw it out there. But instead, and I've got literally the Greek translation pulled up. Instead, Paul uses a word um, that is a is a word for truth, but he uses it he uses it in a participle form. Participles are. Um, were we at an ing in English? Yeah. So literally the word he uses here is not a word that says speak the truth. It's a word that means truthing in love. Truthing in love. All right? Truthing okay. in love. <laughs> which is awesome. And, um, and in context, the better translation is performing the truth in love. Or enacting the truth. That's that's what that's what truthing means. He's talking about ways of life because later in seventeen, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And then in twenty, he says that's not the way of life you learn. So this whole thing is about how you live. Yeah, which is fascinating. Yeah, and and truthing. So we think when we hear the word truth, we think that's objective, like propositional truths about Jesus. But Paul literally just a couple of verses later says, um, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So the picture, <laughs> the picture that Paul is giving 
is not of talking hard this reality. This is when we need the vi- the video version of the podcast because no one can see how excited Mike is right now. Oh, the, well, the, the, I mean, so <laughs> I read this and I literally called Gombus and I'm like, Gombus, <laughs> can you please check this Greek with me? And yeah. then it turns out he had a blog post on it and he, he, he had it as a, a small part of one of his like, this is the kind of thing he throws away in his podcast episode. So I listen to a podcast episode. I'm like, this is crazy. So, so there is no speaking. It's truthing, but in love, let us grow into him in all things that had Christ is li- yeah. the literal sentence. And truthing, uh, because it's a participle, is an action. Yeah. And the action isn't speaking. The action is a way of living. Yeah. In love. Yeah, it's a wild distinction. It is a wild distinction. So Gamba said a better translation is performing the truth in love. And that truth and love aren't two separate things that need to be held in tension or in balance. You never put off love. Right. So the the idea, and and if you read the context of 4, 4 is about the unity of the church, Ephesians 4, in its life as it reflects Jesus, right? Because the whole thing says, the whole thing, chapter four starts with, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And then it goes into all these exhortations about putting off your old way of life or what we would call old creation dynamics and putting on new creation dynamics, which is a new way of life. Right, so would you say taking one verse out of context is not a way to read the Bible? I think it's wonderful. (laughs) <laughs> and I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. Um, no, I mean, and, and, I've, I, and I've done this. Yeah, all of us have, yeah, for sure. All of us have. And so, the, so the, the idea isn't that truth and love are held in tension together. And there are times, darn it, the most loving thing. Now, it is true that hard things are said in, in healthy families and healthy communities. Absolutely. Yeah, what's the key to those so the two key words in that statement are community and family. Right. And exactly. it's just not, it's like the church has been built on, not the church, but a lot of modern churches are built on that verse as it right. stands out of context. So here's so where all we... all modes of operation come from that. Yes. So here's where we bring it all the way around. So truth thing... back around again. The true thing is a community living in the pattern established by Jesus. And what's the pattern established by Jesus? It's cruciformity. Yeah. Right? Not only did Jesus establish this in his action, but in his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. Right? right? We put aside anger and contempt. We don't verbally manipulate people. We don't offer uh, condemning judgments. And we refrain from nagging people into the kingdom. Yeah. Right now, if you're able to get to that place and the opportunity arises to say something, go for it. Yeah. Hallelujah. I talk about Jesus all the time. I'm a huge fan and I have no yeah. problem talking to people about Jesus or to that full embodiment. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. But the idea that, that somehow I have a role to tell people things they don't want to hear right. and that that is love goes against the passage that is used to justify that posture. Right. Boom. <laughs> oh, makes me so happy when I, and, and it totally, it totally 
and again, there, we're not saying don't say anything because there is like a generational thing that we've got going that we have to talk about, right? The older generation of which, you know, we are not a part um, was taught that a, a way of evangelism is rendering, you know, sharing people with your Carino. Hey, I really right. disagree with your lifestyle and then I love you. Right. But you have to know I disagree first. But there's a younger generation that thinks any um, opinion or speech about someone else's conduct is out of pocket, as the kids say these days. Um, and I love that. Dad, that's so out of pocket. I don't even know what that means, but it's bad. Tim, <laughs> you don't want to be out of pocket. You want to be in pocket. Yeah. Um, I mean, unless you're a phone, and then you definitely want to be out of pocket. That's right. Um, um, <laughs> or if you're a quarterback, you want to be in the pocket, right? Dude, well said. Look at you with a football analogy, baseball guy. Nice work. Um, yeah, I was. I literally. I'm. I'm so shifting my ADD away from all the, all the things we could go for there, to just simply say. So there's an older generation that's been encouraged to exercise condemning judgment, right? And a younger generation that's been encouraged to never exercise appropriate discernment, right? And so in the middle here, there, there is a place where we, as the community of faith, say not every way of life is congruent with the kingdom. Right. Not every manner of speaking is congruent with the kingdom. Right? That, that, but that's done inside the family yeah. and as a bunch of people who have logs in their own eyes. Right. Right? It's not um, a way of partitioning people. Correct. No. Yeah. Nope, 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 nope. As it's... it's it, <coughs> I gotta quit vaping. That's self crino right there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that um, as a community of faith, as a family who have committed to the way of Jesus together, right? We now in mutual submission, because all of all of us have areas of life that are out of alignment with the coming. And will always, yeah. Yes. And so there is a place, and there is a necessity. Um, for us to speak, part of our truthing and loving each other is speaking. Absolutely. And having hard conversations. I've had hard conversations with people who've called things out in me. And I've been given the opportunity to respond well to those right. or to respond poorly. And, um, and, and in, in the cases where all of that went down well, there was a clear sense that it was being done, it was being done out of love. Right. But there are only a few people in my life who I can receive uh, really heavy and hard things from. Right. It, well, otherwise I'll do have to do a bunch of work to even get to the place to hear them. Right. Um, so, so there is a place for this. We're not just saying, no, just be nice. Like the question last week, just as long as we're nice, guys, we're fine. Although that would be a great improvement. Well, even what you just said, though, is an interesting part of it that we don't talk about. We talk about how you approach other people, but we rarely talk about how you work on yourself to receive. Oh, that's good. You know what I mean? Because there is two sides of a coin. Yeah. People could be good crinoing all over the place. If I'm not, if I'm not pursuing... It's just when you think about as a community pursuing cruciformity together forever. Yeah. As we continually need to grow and shape ourselves, like there is that's that is part of that conversation. 
Yep. Now, now let me add just one more part to make this it. even more devastating to my own heart. <laughs> the problem isn't agreeing that cruciformity is the way to go right. and that cruciformity is what it means to be Christian. Nothing is Christian if it's not cruciform. Right. Right. To be Christian is to be cruciform. To be cruciform is the Sermon on the Mount. I mean, it's just that's how it works. Um, the, the issue isn't being cruciform. The issue is staying cruciform when you become afraid. Mm. That's the issue. Because all of us have places that where we think something is of such importance, it's worth setting aside cruciformity for to exercise power. So um, a great example, of course, is the state of our country, right? There are loads of people who would say, oh, yeah, yeah totally by Jesus, totally by the Sermon on the Mount. But the state of our country means that we have to rise up and do something. We're t- yeah. I mean, I even saw a pastor saying, hey, it's time to play offense, not defense. Yeah. I mean, Dog the Bounty Hunter was at Turning Point this weekend, and he was talking about all sorts of war content, reading scripture about war and how well, we're at war in America. Let me just say... Um, there is no finer theologian than Dog the Bounty Hunter. That's what I was saying. Um, so if he says it, that settles it. I believe it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Saith Dog the Bounty Hunter. And that's where Christian nationalism is, is very dangerous. It's, be, it's, be, it's using politics yes. um, to 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 accomplish things that by definition politics can't accomplish. Right. Um, Because they're not kingdom ends. It's power over. Yeah. And and people will say, well, but it's a democracy, right? And we get to state our opinion. Yes, but but there's a fervency and an energy and a demonization that's gone on around this that that says it's become an idol. It just, for all of us, this is an idol for me because I'm so repelled by a group of people and how they practice quote Christian politics that yeah. I'm liable to demonize them. Right. <laughs> I do. <laughs> yeah. Tim's not liable. Tim just does. Absolutely. I Tim, got lots of bad crinos. Tim, Tim is a really horrible person. Dear listener. <laughs> it is not true. Now. So, so one of the areas where we become afraid is it's the economy or the illegals are going to take over a country or they're going to turn us into Marxists or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, here comes handmaid's tale. I mean, whatever fear, whatever fear mongering provokes in us to get off our crosses, right? That's, that's the idol where we have to do our work. Yeah. Perfect love casts out fear. Um, oh yeah, totally. And, and perfect fear casts out love has, has also been said as well. (laughs) Um, so, so one of the reasons why I really have had to temper, I don't watch any news on TV. I don't listen to any news podcasts. I, I rarely look at Twitter, but I do just to get a glimpse of headlines is because all that does is provoke fear in me. Hmm. And what fear as Yoda said Fear provokes anger, and anger leads to suffering. Yeah, but fear provokes in me um, the the desire to set aside the commands of Jesus about enemy making um, and you know blessing those who persecute us, and to think there is something of such urgency and importance. I have to set all that aside. 
Right. I've recently, and th- I'm, this is in real time. Um, so parenting um, people that live uh, in your house and do not make independent decisions. I mean, that's okay. I got that. Um, parenting young adults who you've empowered to make decisions. Um, and when they make decisions that you f- feel compelled <laughs> to speak the truth in love in the bad right. sense, I- I've, I've really, as a parent, had to wrestle with wanting to push my crino hmm. um, and get off my cross. And in real time, I've, I've had to repent. I pushed it too far with one of my kids where I was pushing crino, my crino about something. And my child really responded, and I'm proud of my child, who responded with, "That's I think that's just too far, um, Dad. But, but what I saw was going on was a great deal of fear where I was projecting a situation forward. Yep. And I, I thought it appropriate, without even thinking about it, to get off my cross. And, and now are there times when, as a parent, you... You lay the hammer. Well, of course. Yeah, that, there's that discernment. <laughs> yes. 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 And there are ways of truthing in love where you don't make somebody else defensive or feel threatened to yeah, share so what's really going on with you. And so I violated that fundamental aspect of our relationship where it's safe to be honest. Hmm. And... um and the literal thing that was in my head the whole time was I am getting off my cross right now. I'm getting off my cross because I think this is so important. And it was such a powerful, practical way. And of course, I mean, I, I, I went to my child and I mean, instantly and just was in full. I saw it the, the minute my child said something. I saw it and apologized for it and have done the work of repair. As insofar as I'm able, yeah. uh, they still have to, you know, forgive and trust. Right. Um, but I feel like when we when we approach the Christian story as a story about saving people from hell, the urgency of that understanding of the story is such that yes, I'm willing to get off my cross. Yeah. To save someone from hell. Yeah. That same, whether, you know, that same thing that happens in politics or parenting now happens with, I need another P, with the perilousness of judgment. There you go, Pastor. Pastor Mike. Yep. Pastor Mike, coming at you. And we've Um, talked about that too with like the churches that will brush abuse under the rug, ways they've harmed their community and whatever for the the sake of. of, Yes. And Gamba said something on our last podcast with him that his that is just shaped and reshaped. Like they're, they're just bombs that people will drop and they just, they echo, like they reverberate inside of you. Yeah. And this was one of those. Um, he said, you know, somehow we've been co- become convinced that in order to make people Christian, we have to behave as not Christian. <laughs> Yeah, And I was just like, there it is. There it is. So can I help? And do I want people to receive Jesus? Yes. But I want to do that in a Christian way. And so I study the manner of Jesus. 
And the manner of Jesus leads me into things like table fellowship and sharing the shame of, of people who've been disregarded, right? I mean, now we're cooking. And that when we talk, it's very often to those who hold the marginalized at a distance, right? Yeah. That's where the crino was coming. Right. Um, and then he also said something, and I, I don't have it as memorized as that one, but it was, if you see the commands of Jesus as an obstacle to Jesus's agenda, mm. perhaps we've lost the plot. Yeah. And so, so in all of this conversation about light, um, you know, th this is for me, the radical reconfiguration of, of self-understanding that's taken place in the last three years. Like, I've been brought to Jesus in more powerful ways in, in Im being immersed in this than I, for the first time in my life. And I've said this before about other things, and maybe I'll say it in the future about different things. Right. But like this path from Jesus saying, take up your cross, to the idea of cruciformity, to the Sermon on the Mount, to new creation dynamics, to how does that apply then to how I relate to people in the church and outside the church? It has been massively reconfiguring for me in, in, and liberating in so many ways because the, the goal for me is to invite people into their full humanity and part of their full humanity is worship and part of their full humanity is truth and part of their full humanity is uh, learning to forgive and part of their full humanity is being reconciled. And right, I mean, but that's not a religious system right. and that's not a set of truth propositions, although it includes religion and includes truth propositions. But the primary thing like we talked about last time is a reality that I'm a herald of and, an, and a witness to and an embodiment of. And that that reality has provoked a radical rethinking of my entire way of viewing life through what we would call normal. Right. And so the normal has been turned the upside down. The upside down has become the new normal. And, the new, the, and what Americans call normal has become the upside down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I have so many questions about... I am... Shocked. Shocked. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Dude, Thanks, that was Dad. a great, great fill, son. You knew exactly where that <laughs> was, was going. for it. I know you got all your floppies, don't you? I brought... Are you going to put them in the... Are you going to put them away? Um, yeah. Okay. So, Seth... I don't know what's happened, but this this summer, Seth Erie has decided he's going to be super helpful around the house. That's amazing. It is amazing. Hold your questions for just a second while we explore I'll the cruciformity. Thank you, of son. Seth Erie. Uh, the cruciformity of Seth Erie. So whenever I cough, because I vape, which is often, I do not vape, um, <laughs> he gets me ice water. Um, he has been great about carrying his plate to the sink after dinner he has been marvelous about picking up his floppies which are these right we've explained the floppy um and putting them in the laundry basket where they belong yeah. there's just some sort of it's just awesome and so something or other that yeah and it, and it and it it lasts for about two minutes and 15 seconds <laughs> and and but but if but for that time boom Boom. Boom. 
So it's pretty, it's pretty cool. So he was, he came down and was sitting next to me with a bunch of floppies, waiting for me to see them so he could show me he was putting them in the laundry basket. Yeah. I mean, does it? How do you have a better, better Monday than that? Which is when we're recording. You yeah, don't. Yeah. This is a you day don't. of recording. I know. I'm sorry. All right, questions. Well, I don't. It's too much to get into all the way, but all this provokes questions in me. Uh, these are multi-layered. So one of them is when we talk about, you know, I, I, I remember this being an issue for me with the uh, WWJD bracelets. So whenever, mm. whatever time period that was, um, and the what would Jesus do conversation. And I remember getting real frustrated one time where I'm like, I'm not Jesus. Like, I can't, I'm not, I don't have the full wisdom and understanding. I can't heal. I can't do all these things. Like, you know, this sounds generic in its response and i was a high school kid at that point but i was like i emulating jesus to the point of like trying to actually be jesus that can't be the point right because that's that's a mark that we're not going to hit and so when i think about him we've talked about this before when i i think i asked you during one of the new creation series or something if i was we were talking about sin as missing the mark and then i was thinking about jesus as being a sinless individual that we know was tempted mm-hmm. so at least once we know was tempted yeah. but you would assume that there was temptations outside of that and so to be sinless or missing the mark doesn't mean not being tempted or not maybe Correct. not having thoughts about things it's not acting on those things or not yeah, embodying he, hebrews those things. he was tempted in every way so that's an interesting conversation about what it means to be like jesus within that market it's a humanity right. thing so when you're talking about taking up your cross and um, that kind of stuff too. I start thinking about the garden again because I just think mm. that's such a moment of Jesus that the where the humanity is playing a certain specific role in there that I would imagine would be so important for us to understand. Yeah. And and all of this conversation and I don't think that those are things to get into today. But a lot of this stuff, this is what it provokes in me. And then all the last part that you were talking about, it makes me think about how do you how do you restructure. We still think Sunday morning is, in some ways, still the best option, like Susie said. Planning yeah. still is perhaps the best option. If so, like everything you just went through, if you're restructuring Sunday morning as a community, as a family, mm. as a pastor, what does that look like within this conversation? Because it is that model is still built off of the speak yeah. truth and love that we understood. Yep. So everything you would imagine if, if this embodiment that you're talking about is the real function, that would radically transform how we meet and gather together and what, the, what the purpose and the, you know, whatever is within that. So yeah, those are all the things that that makes me want to chew on. Understanding who Jesus was, the humanity thing I still think is something I want to explore a lot because I think it's a key piece that's missing in the conversation that we have. We're all good about the deity of Jesus yeah. We, I don't feel like we really understand the human of Jesus. Dude. I'd like to, because I think there's so much more to grow and learn from that. Well, a, a lot human. of people a lot of people have said to you about the the series The Chosen that it does a great job of picking up the humanity. That's right. Of it Jesus. is a TV show though. I'm a well, I'll I'm gonna watch it and I'll assume that their theology is accurate. Um <laughs> But there is some study that I would love to, maybe people know of, I don't know, that really digs into the humanity of Christ and All right. the decision. I, like, I, don't, I don't know if you know this, but you're, you're a part of a team 
where we get to decide content. Yeah, I'd love. I don't, to I don't know. That. I mean, I, I just, I just want to remind you that you don't have to wonder. It's like, it's like when Mrs. Obama would look across at her husband and say, "Well, why, why can't somebody do X?" And, <laughs> and I'm sure the president would be like, "Well, I want to remind you, you are part of this, and we are right." And, <laughs> and she and said, it's "Thanks, like, Obama." And she would say, "Thanks, Obama." Absolutely. <laughs> um, no, but anyway, I think that's really great. And I think where we're going to head next, uh, our next little series of episodes could uh, sort of spin off in that direction. So, booyah. It'd be fun. It'd be fun for me. Well, Tim, I don't know how many listeners there are, but you're the only one I see. So if it's not fun for you, <laughs> you, <go. laughs> you make that really obvious. So I want it to be fun for you, my friend. All right, Sevi, let's yeah. do the blessing, bro. Blessing? Yeah, which blessing you want to do? A blessing give you. Okay, but we're going to do the Lord. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Are you ready, buddy? Yes. Let the, let, let, if, if you were watching, Seth closes his eyes and lifts his oh, right hand. Oh, shows us. Yeah. Yeah, we do, we do it at Journey Church, too. Yeah. Okay, ready? Okay, close your eyes. Take a, take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Close your eyes. The blessing give you to the water size face. Goodbye. Grace to you. So we get this, this. We get pressure. It does ease. Amen. Nailed it. Dude, nailed it. And he included Tennessee and Russia uh, (laughs) as places where the shalom of God is needed. So amen. Amen. Oh, yo, we're doing the Shema too? Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. You're getting double blessing. All right, come here. Yeah, okay. So this is the Shema. Let's do it together. Let's do it together. Yeah. All right, ready? One, two, two, three. Shema Israel. Adonai Elenehu, Adonai Echad, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God for your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. Boom. Seth Erie on fire. This Seth is on fire. All right, well, there's no better way to end summer than that, ladies and gentlemen. Love you all. Oh, wait, do it. What? Guys, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much to come. <coughs> and no doubt, thank you for five hours of podcast. We have thank you for coming. Everybody's against us. Daddy Mike and Savvy. Daddy Mike and Savvy, thanks for coming. Voxology Podcast, special guest Tim Saver. Daddy Mike and Savvy. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this conversation. Voxology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners just like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash voxology. You can also Join the community and hang out and chat with us on the socials. Facebook.com backslash Voxology Podcast and on Instagram at Voxology. Thank you, thank you, thank you for walking the long road with us.